Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good evening, good evening. Good to see you guys tonight. Hey, um, right now, media, that is a gift from us to you to be able to get online. For anybody here, from those online, just go on and, and register so we can send you the link that you'll have your own personal link to it, your own passwords, your everything. It has sermons, things, things for kids, um, Bible studies, everything that you can imagine is there free. We're going to bless you guys as a gift, a subscription to that. So I want to encourage you from our family to the family uh, that you can keep growing in the Lord and walking the Lord. And there's resources to keep doing that uh, for you. So we want to bless you with that. Hey, it's the Hope Toy Drive tomorrow, right? So if you haven't signed up to help, I want to encourage you to come. And we are really counting on, especially those online. I know a lot of people are resting. They've been working all day today. People are doing, hey, man, the enemy is at work. I'm telling you right now, we've been already hitting some walls, all right? And we were supposed to be setting up today, and some crazy stuff happened at the rec center. We couldn't get set up today. But we need help tomorrow. So if you want to help, come at 7 o'clock. we got to set up all the toys in that gym, okay? So if you want to come out and help. I know people are supposed to come at 8 but we're challenging some to come a little earlier, hour earlier, so we can get into the gym and get the toys all ready and get everything set up. So I know that's early. You think it's a, uh, you know, I know it's a, some, for some, it's a Sunday morning and hey, Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday morning. Uh, I know God does resurrection in our lives too. So I know Mariah asked you to rise up and get up early uh, to come tomorrow morning and get ready. It's going to be a long day, so get rest tonight. Um, get hydrated, get everything you need to do because we're going to be busy about God's business tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke, the Gospel, Luke chapter 1. Gospel, Luke chapter, we're, starting, we're going to be in verse 26 to 38. Our sermon series is called Sense. And this evening, we're going to be looking at the angel's assignment. We're going to be looking at the angel Gabriel tonight and his role and his assignment to bring the invitation to Mary tonight. The English Channel is 22 miles wide. Its waters are angry and it's cold. Thousands of athletes have tried to swim the channel. Most have failed. And in 1961, a 42-year-old man from Argentina swam from the English Channel, and his name was Antonio Albertando. It took him 19 hours to make his swim. And when he came ashore in France, his friends con congratulated Antonio for accomplishing what they thought was impossible at his age. Antonio paused for a few minutes sipped on a hot drink, and he told his friends they had not seen the impossible yet, they had not seen the impossible yet, and swam for another 22 more hours, all the way back to England. Impossible? Yes. Accomplished? Yes. Something is impossible only until it is accomplished. The impossible made possible. The story of God's making impossibilities possible, that is really the Christmas story. That's the story we've been looking at this season as we celebrate the Christmas season, that we know that all things are possible by God. This Christmas story that we've been looking at, it started last week, we'll, we'll go through the month looking at the Christmas story, begins with the ministry of the angel Gabriel. He was sent by God to fulfill a mission as a messenger. And we know that angels have an important role in the work of ministry. And the angel Gabriel has a key role in the announcement of the Messiah. 
In fact, we know the angels announced Christ's birth to the shepherds in the field, and, and Gabriel has announced here in this story, will be announcing to Mary her role as the mother of God. And so this evening, we're going to be looking at the angel Gabriel's role in the Christmas story. I want to read Luke chapter 1, starting verse 26 to 30. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to the virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to rejoice highly favored when the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when he, she saw him, she was troubled by his sayings and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will, come, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call, shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One is, who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For, the, for with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, what ma behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Or this evening, Lord, we thank you that, Father, we get to dip in into your word tonight. Father, we get to look at the Christmas story through the eyes of Gabriel as he ministers to Mary. And that, Father, we know that angels are ministering spirits that you use for your kingdom purpose. We know that you even challenged us to be careful how we entertain each other because we could be entertaining angels. That, Father, there is a manifestation of angels in our world. And, Father, you use angels to fulfill your mission in your coming. And so we pray tonight that we can look at the ministry of Gabriel and see how it applies even to our own lives during this Christmas season. And so, Father, I pray tonight. I pray your hand upon your word and the teaching of your word and the blessings of your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. We're going to look at three things that Gabriel did in his ministry. Number one, the angel Gabriel was sent to affirm Mary's mission. The angel Gabriel was sent to affirm Mary's mission. You're going to see that in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. Mary's going to have an encounter with an angel. She's going to receive a revelation from this angel. Anytime we have an encounter with God, it will cost something. As Moses stood on the mountain in the presence of God, it changed him physically and it changed him spiritually. When Paul had an encounter with God on the road to Damascus, he was blind in order that he could see. And it changed his whole trajectory, trajectory of life. Now Mary has an encounter with a messenger who will make her life messy, <laughs> confusing, Fearful, yet bring such wonder. God will affirm Mary through Gabriel for her mission. She has a mission. Scott Erickson in his book, Honest Advent, said this, all great stories come at a cost. And the cost of revelation is it's going to ask something of you. That's the cost. That's the challenge. That God's going to, through Gabriel, is going to use this angel to challenge Mary on a mission. And he's going to affirm her mission in a moment. So God sends Gabriel as a messenger because that's what angels are. They are messengers. So we see that in verse 26. Now in the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. 
We have to first look at Gabriel's ministry, right? The angel Gabriel. He's one of the key characters in the Christmas story. And Gabriel's name means man of God. Said by God on, a, on assignments. On assignments. The angel's assignment, that's what we're looking at tonight. And he came as a messenger. This was the same messenger that came to Zechariah and to minister to him in the temple as he was serving and his wife Elizabeth couldn't be with child. And in the middle of that time of his serving, the angel came and speaks to her and says, your wife's going to be pregnant. And he was so blown away and even doubted that God even muted his mouth that he couldn't talk until she came forth with a son who would later be John the Baptist. This is the same messenger. This is the same messenger, Gabriel, who came to Daniel in his prayer time. And in his prayer time, he, he, he begins to what? He, he begins to announce the 70 weeks of Daniel, referencing the coming of the Messiah in Daniel chapter 9, 21 to 24. And it's the same angel, the angel Gabriel, who's beginning to affirm Mary's role in the first coming of Christ. Gabriel had a, mess, had a, he had a, a, a mission in the Old and New Testament. What? Ushering in and announcing the coming Messiah. That was his role as a messenger. And we know there are many angels. There are warriors like the Michael. And there's Gabriel that are messengers. We know that there are many angels that have many different roles. But this is the role that Gabriel's playing in the Christmas story. But it's very interesting. He comes to a region of a small city named Nazareth. A city with a bad reputation. If you haven't studied scripture, just look into it as when Philip introduces Nathaniel to Jesus. Right? He introduces Nathaniel uh, to Jesus. He said... Is Jesus, this is the Jesus of Nazareth, right? And Philip's response was, says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was the response from Philip, right? That Nazareth didn't have a great reputation. In fact, many often associated Jesus from this region. They often referred to Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth. And his name would be connected with a city of a bad reputation. And we know he would later associate with many of people that had bad reputations, the tax collectors and sinners. In fact, they would be able to accuse him of that very thing. In fact, his followers would be called Nazarenes. We see that in Acts chapter 24, 5. And Mary and Joseph were from this region, and they grew up what? in a rough neighborhood. They, they grew up in a neighborhood that, that, that didn't have a very good reputation. It was known. They had a, they had a, a reputation, but it wasn't good. Sometimes in our communities, we have different neighborhoods that have reputations. Some are good and some are bad. You even see how they highlight it in our news, right? If something happens great in the college area, that's the Rolando area. Rolando, right? That's the college area. Something happens bad in that neighborhood, then also the city heights. Do you ever notice that on the news? That they, they zone out certain neighborhoods because of the reputation. And we have to be careful of that. Yet Jesus grew up in a rough Neighborhood. It was six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy when this is happening with the angel Gabriel and Mary be notified of her upcoming motherhood, right? I can only imagine that Mary and Joseph, it says they were, he, she was engaged to Joseph, meaning betrothed to Joseph. Their lives are going to be disrupted in a moment. I'm sure that they had plans and, and dreams and ideas of what they wanted as a young couple. And all of a sudden, the angel coming gives them this message, at least gives her the message. It's, it's going to make things messy. It's going to disrupt their lives. Let me tell you something. God will disrupt our lives to bring about his glory. 
God will enter into our lives and disrupt us to get out of our comfortableness in order to bring out his plan. And he will do that. And you're going to fight it. And you're going to struggle. And you might even think it's rough and it's bad and it's unfair. That's exactly what's happening here in the story. They're a year away from getting married. Mary and Joseph are planning their wedding. You know, they're calling up, setting the place, and they're calling the rabbi to marry him, and they're setting the plans into motion. And for those who have been married, you know what that feeling is to, to plan. It takes you six months to a year, and all of a sudden, what? I'm going to get pregnant? That's going to jack up my plans. That's going to ruin my wedding day. That's not, that's not how I planned it. That's not what I wanted to do. Yet God says, I have a higher plan and a higher call for you, Mary. I got something special for you, Right? And we see that Gabriel comes and what does he do? He affirms Mary's special mission in 27 and 28. To the virgin's betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to rejoice. Highly favored when the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Mm. If you listen closely to those verses, it says a lot about who Mary was about her character, about who she was. She was what? A chosen, chosen as a virgin, it says. A virgin betrothed to a man, Parthenios. A woman has never been with a man sexually. That's what that means. In fact, it's a fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Jenny talked about Emmanuel, God with us, and later Jesus and Matthew and Matthew would write about Emmanuel, Jesus, when to come, his name God with us. His fulfillment of that scripture. The virgin birth is crucial and essential to the faith. Because if there is no virgin, there is no incarnation. If there's no word become flesh, the virgin birth is essential to the faith. No birth, no sinless Messiah. It's crucial, this virgin birth. It's key to our faith. It's a doctrinal thing for us. It's a supernatural thing. And thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, this virgin birth, this coming Messiah. This, this woman, Mary, was engaged to, to Joseph. She was engaged, virgin, committed to Joseph. We know that Joseph had a hard time with it <laughs> at the beginning. She becomes pregnant and, and he wants to put her away quietly after he hears what's going on. He's struggling with this. It's like, what went wrong? Where, what did I do wrong? How did this happen? And God had to come to Joseph in a dream and give him a word from the Lord about what exactly is happening. Sometimes God still speaks through his word, but he speaks through dreams too. He'll speak through the supernatural. He'll speak to us in many, many different ways. He'll speak through us to his church. He'll speak through us through his word. He'll speak through us through circumstances. He'll speak in many ways he chooses to speak. Are we still in tune with his voice? Can we still hear from him? Can we discern the truth and the lie as he speaks? And, and, the word, and, and, and Joseph is sleeping. He has this dream about a woman he used to be married that he wanted to quietly put her aside because the law said if a woman's pregnant outside of marriage, she should be stoned. She, and yet Joseph risked her and loved her so much that he was willing to put her away quietly. In fact, during a, a wedding time, betrothed means there was a year-long engagement. And a lot of times what happened in that time is she would be engaged, Mary's engaged to Joseph, and he would go away to build a house for her. And he'd go away and build a house for her, and then he would come back for her to take her to this house. Does that sound familiar? You remember 
John 14, that we're his bride and he's the groom. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, John 14. I'll be back for you. It's a picture of Jesus. We're his bride. And Jesus is going to prepare a mansion for us on heaven. And he's coming back for his church. That's the picture we see here. She's an engaged virgin. And both of them are from the line of David, it says. Right? Mary came to the line of Nathan, David's son. We read that in Luke's gospel. And Joseph came to the line of Solomon and Shekuniah. We say that in Matthew's gospel. There's two Two lines by which his family connects, but they're kingly lines. And so you see the narrative of Mary's story through Luke, and you see the narrative of Joseph's story through Matthew. You're going to see it through those different perspectives. But this virgin is named Mary, or Miriam, or Maria. That, that is her name. She was highly favored, it says in the scriptures. So rejoice about what is to happen, Mary. Be thankful for what is about. God saw something in you, Mary, and you're highly favored. Guys, do you know that you're highly favored today in God's eyes? He said, blessed are those that are called the children of God. You're highly favored people in God's eyes. Mary was a highly favored. She was chosen from all the ladies of the world. And the Lord, what, was with her. Scripture says, and the Lord was with her. She had an intimate relationship with God. She walked with God. We know that because you just have to go further down in the Scriptures in Luke chapter 1 to verses 46 to 55, and we see her worship song. Somebody who knows God writes about that God. And she wrote a song about that God. Let us magnify the Lord together, she sings. Let us make God large in our life. She knew God intimately, and she, she had a song in her heart, and we got to read it. It pinned down in the scriptures this beautiful worship song that she has because she loves God. This young teenager, this young teenage mom loved God, and she was blessed among women. She was honored by others. She was exalted because the Bible says, the humble I will exalt, but the proud I will cast out. She was an exalted woman. And so we see that God is through the angel Gabriel, is affirming Mary. It's going to affirm her mission. God is an affirming God. He will affirm his people. He will affirm us in the things we need to do. He even affirmed his son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. God's word is always affirming. If you read it, it's always affirming. Here's the second thing about the story about the angel Gabriel. The angel was sent to remove Mary's fears. The angel was sent to remove. We see that through Amy's Mary's fears. We see that look verses 29 to 33. I love little children. Because little children, they just speak their mind. And I remember there's this mom who had this a little son with him, and, and they came to the Christmas Eve service, and he was getting impatient, and he was getting bored. And he turns to his mother and says, What time does Jesus get here? I love that. What time does Jesus show up, right? Let me tell you, Jesus is going to show up. Jesus is here tonight. He is with us, right? She's going to get an information in a minute that, that through her, God's going to show up, right? And so the Abel Gabriel, what is his role here? He begins to, begins to comfort Mary. 
Look at verses 29 and 30. But when she saw him, meaning the angel Gabriel, she was troubled at his saying and, and considered what manner greeting this was. Then the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. She's the highly favored one. Again, he's repeating this. You have found favor with God. I think the first thing that the angel Gabriel did here was calm her troubled heart. Was calm her troubled heart. Mary, it's okay. It's okay, God. God is requesting of her a high calling here. And maybe for this moment, first of all, she's overwhelmed by this presence of an angel. Then she might get overwhelmed by the calling. And, well, me? Who am I? I'm just a little, this little teenage girl from a bad neighborhood, <laughs> from a ghetto. You're calling me God? This teenage pregnancy is orchestrated by God. What's happening is orchestrated by God, and He's working. And the scripture says that she was troubled by the message. She was troubled by the words. You know, there are things that we can hear and read about God that can trouble us. There's things in the scriptures we can read that can trouble us. But that's okay. God troubles us to awaken us to our call in our own lives. He's calling us and he will awaken us. You know what? This virgin birth, the story of the virgin birth, is troubling for some, right? I can't buy it. It's not biologically possible, this story. For the natural man, that is true. For the one who thinks in the natural sense, that is true. But we're talking spiritually what's going to happen here. The natural man cannot understand spiritual things, the scripture says, for he is carnal. But the spiritual, that's different. Right? Herod, Herod was troubled when he heard about a new king that was going to be born. He was troubled, right? But the angel comes to calm the troubled heart. Jesus, you said, let your heart not be troubled, he said, right? Believe in me. Faith will calm our troubled heart. When we face things before us that maybe we don't understand, it calms our troubled heart. Guys, we're going through this whole thing again all over this whole pandemic again. And we're right at work. We've been mandated. Actually, we've been mandated to wear masks. But actually, the CDC said that the church is exempt from that. I don't know if you saw that in the bylaws. But, but, but the reality of it is, our, right away, we get, we're, we're already stepping into fear. Right? We don't step into fear. God's got this. God's got this. I'm not saying that this is not real. But I'm saying that God still got this. Even amidst all the craziness, God's still present. God's still working. And so this angel will calm her troubled heart. And so the angel began to speak into Mary's fears. God spoke through the angel gift to begin to calm her spirits. God will do that with us. He'll speak into our hearts to, to calm us. The peace I give you. Not as the world gives. God's peace is different than the world's peace. But I speak peace into. And he's going to speak peace here into Mary's life. He's going to deal with her because what? It says love cast out fear for fear is torment. The angel didn't come to bring torment on Mary's life. But begins to bring a message of the one who is known as love. 
for God is love. That's to bring peace to her heart. And he's, he's calming her heart. And then what he does is, after he calms her heart, he does this. The angel Gabriel announces Christ's incarnation. Right? Look at verse 31. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. The Bible gives us a, a gender reveal already. It wasn't through a blue or a pink balloon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right away, you, you shall have a son. Behold, you shall keep in your womb bring forth a, a son. God's word speaks about, right? It's, this is what's going to happen. It's almost, it's prophetic. He's given a prophetic word to say, this is what's going to happen, and it happened. And you're going to call his name Jesus, right? Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is a common name in that day. It's the, in the Hebrew, it's the word Joshua, right? Jesus is his name in the Greek. In Hebrew, it's Joshua, means the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. Jesus is our savior. Jesus is our lifeline. He is our life preserver. We know that names have many meanings in the scriptures. Many meanings. Right? Abram means many. Abraham means multitude. Right? That's what that means. We see that throughout scriptures, the changing. Paul to Saul, Jacob, right, to Israel. He takes these names and he even changes them. Why? Because he's giving them a new identity, a new identity, a new look, a new way, a new life. You're a new creation. The old is gone. That's why Jacob is no longer called Jacob. He's called Israel because God says, I'm changing you now because through your line, Jacob, it's going to be life. Jacob, you have been a deceiver, but I'm changing your way now and you're Israel. That's what God does with us. That's the importance of name. Jesus is his name. He will give, you know that when you get to heaven, you get your own name. I don't know if you know that. You get your own personal name. It's going to be your name for heaven. And he says, I'm going to etch it on a stone. Because your new name is eternal. So we know we don't get in trouble in heaven because of no sin, but I know when I, when I was growing up, when I got in trouble, right, they, they didn't just say my first name. They didn't just say Peter. They said Peter Anthony because that's my, my, that's my middle name. And I knew I was in trouble when they said Peter Anthony. I know I was in trouble. All right? But in heaven, it's not going to be like that. They're going to say your name. You know God's going to be talking to you, but you're not going to be in trouble. But he knows you. That's the intimacy of God. That's the love of God that he has for you. Right? Because he's changing our identity. In fact, the angel Gabriel announced his impact in the world. Jesus' impact in the world. So 32 and 33. And he says that this Jesus, when you'll call Jesus, he, he will be great. And he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. Look at this. He will be great. He will be great. Paul shares that God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That says, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess to God. In fact, his name implies his mission. As the apostle Peter states, nor there is salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which men must be saved. 
There's power in Jesus' name. That's why the Bible says you pray in Jesus' name. You pray to the Father by the Spirit in Jesus' name because there's power in his name. We're calling on his name. Yet people, that's why one of the commandments, the Ten Commandments was, thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. Because there was something special about his name. Yet people always damn him in using his name in vain. They don't damn others, but they damn Jesus and they're cursing. It's, it's the enemy. It's the enemy that has influence in that. But the Bible says he shall be called the son of the highest. Because he's God in the flesh. He is equal with God. This is Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. We talked about that last week. He's the only begotten of the Father. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only, only, underline that, only begotten son. We know John 3, 16. Not many sons. We are sons of God, but he's the only begotten of the Father. He's the only son of God. And he will have a throne, the scripture says. That's why he'll be great. He'll be part of the messianic line of David. He's identified here in Micah 5.2, identifying his messiahship. It says in Micah 5.2, but you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler of Israel, whose going forth are from old for everlasting. That's eternal. Eternal. And he'll sit on the throne and he'll sit at the right hand of his father. That's why he'll be great. And his kingdom, his kingdom will be eternal. His kingdom will be everlasting. Why? Because Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega and the beginning and the end. He is eternal. He is God in the flesh. But lastly, tonight, the angel was sent to remind Mary that all things are possible. That all things are possible. Right? The impossible became possible in this story. The super and the natural coming together to make the supernatural. That's Jesus. Listen, the gospel is a mystery. The virgin birth is a mystery. And I know how biology works, but the birth of Christ is a supernatural mystery. But think about it this way. Your salvation is a work of the Spirit that makes you born again. In some sense, that's a mystery, right? God has supernaturally changed each of us. When his Spirit came upon us and in us, the third person of the Trinity will come upon Mary and she'll be with child. That is a miracle. <laughs> that's the virgin birth. That's the conception, the immaculate conception. Now, we have a lot of pregnant women in our body right now in our church family. We got a lot of pregnant women in our church family right now. And I would imagine each of them have experienced morning sickness for the first time. Okay? I heard it said that morning sickness is like the hangover without having a party. Or queasiness without riding the roller coaster ride. Okay? But a mother will endure the nausea for a moment for the joy of a lifetime because children are a blessing from the Lord. Maybe this news about her coming pregnancy just turned her stomach. Maybe she feels something inside already, but her willingness to let it be according to God's word here, humility and submission to the call of God is what she, why is she called the beloved of all women? 
So that Gabriel answers Mary's important question. Here it is, 34 and 35. Then Mary said to the angel, speaking to Gabriel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. I believe Mary's question, Mary's question is not about doubt, but about how. Because some people say, well, is she doubting God? Is she lacking faith? I don't see that in the story. Because she's not asking that question. She goes, okay, how is this going to happen? You're telling me what's going to happen. How is this going to happen? I I believe Mary knew about the birds and the beasts. She did, right? But she says, look it, I know how things work physically. But I've never been with a man, right? I think this is a good question that Mary asks. I think it's an important question that Mary asks, right? Guys, I think it's good to ask questions of God and to God. It's okay to ask questions. God's not going to be mad at you if you ask questions, right? She's having a conversation with an angel, but I think you still can appeal to God. But I love this. Whether you see it or not, Mary's having a conversation with an angel. She's having a conversation. That's the context here. She's having a conversation with with an angel. I think we all have questions even about God. We might have questions even about why you, God, you allow things. Or, you know, things. And people sometimes get angry with God when they see things happen that maybe they don't understand. But let me tell you something. Some of those questions won't be answered until we get to heaven. Some of those questions won't be answered until we get to heaven. Because you know why? We may have a hard time with what God allows, but God sees the whole picture, and we don't see the whole picture. We don't know why things happen, but God has a whole picture. But maybe we don't see the whole picture. But I love the angel Gabriel. He answers her question. He didn't leave her in the dark. How, I never been with how how this happens. I love the simplicity of Gabriel's answers. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. That's the presence of God, right? In theological in theology, we call this the hypostatic union for those guys in seminary. The hypostatic union, the the combining of the divine and the human nature. That perfectly come into one person, right? It's the finite with the infinite coming together. God and Mary coming together. The spiritual and the natural. And the power of the highest is God the Father. The power of the highest is God the Father who overshadows, says he overshadows her. The word overshadow means to, to cover with a cloud. It's God's glory that will overshadow Mary. That's what that means. And so the birth of Jesus was natural, but the conception was supernatural. Okay, I want you to hear that. The, the, the birth of Jesus was natural, but the conception was supernatural. Thus, Jesus will be called the Son of God. The Son of God. And, and as he goes forward to explain this, he begins to illustrate and points back to Elizabeth's story. Right? Hey, let's just talk about Elizabeth. You want to know how? 
Was not Elizabeth barren? She couldn't have children? And God opened up her womb supernaturally? Because with God, all things are possible. That's what he says here. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, also conceives a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary, do you not see Elizabeth? If I did it with Elizabeth, surely can I do it with you? See, God will give us visual aid sometimes. That's why your testimony to the world is so important. You are the visual aid to the world about who God is. Your story, your life, your testimony. People say, you remember so-and-so? Remember how she was? Or maybe remember how he was? Look what God did. If you can make that person new, surely can make you new. Because with God, all things are possible. So he uses an illustration to help Mary understand her miraculous pregnancy. Like Sarah with Abraham, God opened up her womb when she was older, right? You're, you're going to see Mary, Elizabeth. Mary, you're going to see Elizabeth six months into this. Just get a picture of what's to come. And nothing is impossible with God. Because when God is the agent to the work, anything is possible. I think we forget that sometimes. When God is running the show, anything is possible. When things are looking down, look up. Because anything is possible. Look at all that God has done with you in your new birth. That is a miracle. Because you've been born again. And born of God. And I love Mary's heart as she receives this word, as, as Gabriel has been ministering to her and carefully answering her questions and expounding it and breaking it down to her. Look at how Mary responds. May we respond in the same way as Mary's willingness to obey, willingness to submit, willingness to humble herself. Look at verse 38. Then Mary said, behold, what maid, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. How did Mary see herself? Mary saw herself as a servant, as a maidservant of the Lord. She understood her position in Christ. See, obedience will only happen when we understand our true relationship with God. Her life wasn't her own. It was God's. She was willing to commit to his service. Guys, in some ways, she's offering up her life herself to the Lord, right? She's becoming a, a living sacrifice for the purpose of God. I love her words. Look at this. It says that Mary said, behold, a main servant, let it be. Listen, she had that before the Beatles, <laughs> right? She wrote that song before the Beatles. Just let it be, right? The word amen means so be it or let it be. When we pray and say, amen, in Jesus' name, amen, we're saying, God, so let it be. We're trusting you, God. What Mary is doing is say, I have received your word from the angel. I understand my position. I am your maidservant, so let it be. So let it be according to your word. I'm trusting your word, God. God, I'm trusting you at your word. I'm trusting your word for my life. Can we say the same thing? Can we say, God, I trust your word? 
I trust your word and what you're communicating to me. So let it be. The scripture says here that let it be according to your word and the angel departed from her and overshadowing a cloud will be will hang over Mary and Jesus in their lifetime. It, it will be a, 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 in some ways a cloud of suspicion. Think about it. Joseph wasn't buying her explanation of birth he had to have a dream so it, it, there was some suspicion suspicion in his life at the beginning right there was gossip among the people in her neighborhood teenagers got pregnant against the law so that was her reputation she's gonna be marked by that for a little bit that was mary that had a baby before she got married that was suspicious right when jesus speaks to the pharisees they accused him of being born of a fornicator and fornication, out of fornication, meaning having sex outside of marriage. They accused him of that suspect. In fact, at the dedication of baby Jesus, Mary would later be told that her heart would be pierced in the reference to Jesus suffering on the cross and she would experience the death of her son. What painful that would be. All this, her life is clouded by all this craziness all this suspect, all these things that people would see it through a different lens. Don't under, ever underestimate, even in the middle of the mess, what God is doing. We, we, we're so easy to judge. People were judging them, but God was working. It looked crazy and messy and dirty and ugly on the outside, but God had them pure and holy, favored one on the inside was clean. The very opposite of what God called the Pharisees and the Sadducees says, you're clean on the outside, but your cup is dirty on the inside. But Mary, your cup looks a little dirty, nasty on the outside, but you're beautiful on the inside. See, because man judges the outward, but God judges the inward. Listen, listen, be careful in this season. Be careful of the people we're meeting tomorrow. That might you think looks a little bad and messy, nasty and ugly and stinky. You all like that too? Thank God, you says, thank God we're not like that anymore. We were like that, but thank God we're not like that. But it doesn't mean that God ain't doing a work in them. And so God is working in Mary in the Christmas story, refining her through an angel, the ministry of angel, angel named Gabriel. The angel's assignment was to minister to Mary when she heard the birth announcements. I close tonight just to remind you of four things. As we looked at the story, I just want to kind of tag it over to maybe some application to you. Number one, that God will affirm our mission in life. What does God put on your heart? What mission? What purpose? What calling? God will affirm that. I think here's the second thing. God will speak into our fears about our mission. What's hindering us from feeling what God's put on our heart? What fears do we have? What anxieties? What are things that maybe hinders you from doing what God's put on your heart to do? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Right? Oh, I don't know it all. I don't know the Bible. I have a hard time praying. I don't pray out loud. I don't pray enough. I don't read enough. I'm not smart enough. What a lie from the enemy. He took 12 uneducated men with GEDs and ADDs who couldn't make the rabbinical school to do his kingdom bidding. God will always make a way for the impossible. 
God will always make a way for the impossible. He parted seas for people to go through. He fed people from birds in the air, manna from heaven, and water from a rock. He made a donkey speak, right? He stopped the sun to have victory. He always made it possible, a way possible for his bidding. He resurrected men from the dead and women from the dead, and then he resurrected from the dead. Lastly, God is looking for those who are willing, who are willing servants. He's just looking for those who are being willing, those who are being available, and those who are willing. Mary was willing. That's why she was highly favored, and God knew that. Men and women, are we willing to be servants in the hands of God? Are we willing to be the clay in the hands of God? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this evening, for your love and blessings, for your goodness and mercy and grace, Lord. And I just pray, as we've looked at your story, the Christmas story, through the lens of Gabriel and Mary and all that you've done, Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that, um, Lord, you're working, you're working inside of us. You're cleaning our cups, Lord. Father, may our inward person be renewed day by day. Lord, we're not perfect, but you your blood makes us perfect. We've been made righteous through the blood of Jesus. Not our righteousness, but your righteousness. We've been cleansed because you're good. We're saved because of the work you've done, not what we've done. And Father, we've been accepted because of faith. We don't have to work for your acceptance, Lord. You already accept us by faith. So I pray your blessings upon your people tonight. May you look over them. May you bless them in this Christmas season. They would celebrate, Lord. They're celebrating a birthday birthday of our God that we worship. We thank you, we honor you, we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.